This is the Creative Agency Podcast, where we explore the strategies, aspirations, methods, and mistakes behind growing and maintaining a successful creative agency. Hello there, my name is Chris, and this is the first episode of the Creative Agency Podcast. The purpose of this podcast is to get an inside look at how creative agencies operate, succeed, fail, and everything in between. I'll be interviewing agency owners, employees, freelancers, and anyone else I can think of in order to illuminate the processes, strategies, and techniques behind running and growing a successful creative agency. The impetus for this project comes about because I recently joined my brother's creative agency, Murmur Creative, here in Portland, Oregon. We are currently an 11-person agency that offers branding and web design services and some digital marketing services like search engine optimization, which is what my background is in. None of us at Murmur Creative have much experience working in an agency setting, so we're basically figuring it out as we go. Because there's no handbook or guide on the subject, I figured starting a podcast would be a great way to educate myself and others. My first interviews for the Creative Agency podcast are Portland-based agencies and often Murmur's direct competitors, but I plan to interview people from all over. The interview you're about to hear is with Candice Brigleb, co-founder of Needmore. Needmore has done a fantastic job of carving out a niche for themselves, specifically in the wine and coffee industries. You can see Needmore's website at needmoredesigns.com. Needmore also has a great podcast called The Job, where they interview creatives and professionals that live and work in Portland. You can visit that podcast at thejobpdx.com. I'd love to hear your feedback about the show. I also want to be totally transparent about how we do things at Murmur Creative, so let me know your questions. Maybe I can answer them on the show. You can email me at chris at creativeagencypodcast.com. You can contact me through the website at creativeagencypodcast.com. Finally, if you like the show, please write a positive review on iTunes. This will help others find and enjoy it. And without further ado, let's get to the interview. I'm sitting here at Murmur Creative Headquarters in Portland, Oregon, and joining me is Candice Brigleb. Is that how you say Brigleb? Mm-hmm, sure. Of Needmore. Uh, Needmore is a creative agency specializing in design, marketing, and branding. Um, and you guys kind of specialize in um, lifestyle, coffee, and wine brands. Yeah, I'd say that's fair. Um, how long has Needmore been in operation? We've been around for almost 12 years now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we started out as a flash design studio. Oh, wow, no way. Which was a lot of fun until 2007. And then uh, we had to move on. Mm-hmm. But um, we started out working a little bit in coffee, with a lot of restaurants and artists and musicians and... Uh, just kept going from there so with the flash did you was that sort of a big pivot did you sort of see it coming or how was that transformation we saw it coming Mm -hmm. yeah but it was i mean i think the difficult part was we saw it coming and we knew that the best thing would be to recommend to our clients that they don't use flash anymore Mm -hmm. but uh for the first year or two we just sounded like such geeks you know it's (laughs) like you don't want these beautiful flash websites because there's this thing called the iphone and everyone's going to be using it and it doesn't work on it and we had a lot of clients that just still wanted flash websites because they were so much cooler than what you could do with html then yeah and so we had a lot of conversations where we were almost trying to talk ourselves out of jobs 
because we just thought it was the right thing to do. Mm -hmm. And yet we loved Flash. It was like making a cartoon or a movie about, you know, about somebody's art or about their space or their music. And uh, I I still miss Flash. I uh, I think the web has changed a lot lately and that there's so much you can do like when i ask the design team they say we we can basically do everything we could do in flash now and mm-hmm. it's better and it works on your iphone and so um you know but it's taken a lot of years it's like yeah 2000. yeah definitely yeah i remember when uh, flash was the big thing and there was a lot of cool cool animations you could do mm-hmm. and everything. but yeah i guess it is true that you're sort of come full circle that there's at least in web design that you have more opportunities to do those sort of animations and stuff now without flash yeah so how how big is need more how many employees there are <laughs> there are five of us right now mm-hmm. yeah and well five kind of full time and then we have a couple of other people that help us out there's a there's a couple that lives on a farm outside of portland and one of them is an accountant and one of them is a programmer. And so they're kind of the other two people that. Oh, nice. Us, yeah. That's cool. Um, so you guys work with some great brands. Um, Salt and Straw, um, Stumptown Coffee, Hammer and Hand, Elk Cove Vineyards. What is, how, how is it finding your clients? Do you, you have a lot of clients that are coming to you or do you guys do outreach? That's a good question. Um, we've always sort of used word of mouth mm-hmm. for getting the word out. So, you know, being good to our clients, being people that somebody, you know, that our clients want to talk about. Um, And then we've also been really strong about recommending projects to other developers and designers and photographers if it's not a good fit for us. Mm -hmm. And so that ends up kind of coming full circle. And so some of our best recommendations are other studios that think that we might be a better match for a project that's come their way. That's nice. And we, we've been talking a little bit more about getting the word out more mm-hmm. about what we do. We've also been, we've also put on a podcast for a couple of years called The Job. Um, and we've met quite a few people through that. We were just basically talking to Portlanders we were excited to meet about what it is that they do. Uh-huh. And so that, that's been really interesting. And we're starting to put out a coffee-centered podcast oh, soon. Cool. Excellent. It's not out yet. Um, called Unpacking Coffee. And so a lot of, when we do try to get the word out about ourselves, a lot of times it's something creative that we want to produce Mm -hmm. anyways. There's probably more that we should be doing. (laughs) (laughs) There's always more we should be doing. Yeah. I mean, the other thing is that if there's somebody that we really want to work with, like we really admire what they're doing, you know, we're not, we're not afraid to reach out and let them know that we think their coffee is amazing and we would love to work with them and you know every once in a while that brings on really amazing clients and then a lot of times it doesn't but at least you've been able to tell someone that you admire them and their work Mm -hmm. and that's still yeah we've been doing more outreach um especially since uh our account director mary has been working with us she's she's not afraid of just like going after business uh, yeah that's great it doesn't always work but it's you know you never know until you try (laughs) yeah i did this i did this uh Last year, I went through this one month of rejection therapy. Have you ever heard of that? <laughs> no. So it's because it's hard to pitch yourself to people that you don't know. Mm-hmm. And uh, But if you think about it, the worst thing that can happen is that they'll say no, mm-hmm. that they'll reject you. And so I went through this month of rejection therapy where you basically every day get one thing that you need to do. And the goal is to get rejected. 
And so it can be as small as, you know, one day it was like, offer a free cup of coffee to anyone you see until someone says yes. And I was at a New Seasons, and it is really hard to get somebody to let you buy them a cup of coffee if they just think there's like a catch. catch. Yeah. You know, just, hey, uh, I'm about to get myself a cup of coffee. Can I buy you one too? Oh my gosh, no I catch. would die. <laughs> it was so hard to do. But after that month of every day doing something mm. small like that, and some of it's just... Uh, asking people for a dollar, do they have change? You know, some of them are really easy. Like, do you have change for this dollar? Most people are like, no, I don't. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I, I think I realized at the end of that, that what I feared most, someone saying no, it doesn't hurt that bad. It's yeah. just no. And if you, if you go for it every day and you try to hear it at the end of it, you're like, that's okay. Wow. You should do it. It's great. It's actually amazing. It sounds really scary, but that's liberating too, I imagine. Yeah. If you think about the fact that at the end of it, you will no longer fear someone saying no to you. It's, it's not that scary. That's it was great. scary for about the first week. <laughs> <laughs> so you, you sort of rely on referrals and you rely on other yeah. agencies. Well, um, and you know, we're pretty active with social media. Mm-hmm. Like we post our Instagram a lot. We blog, we tweet, mm-hmm. um, you know, we go to conferences. I've spoken at conferences. It's like we've, you know, there, I guess there are a lot of things that we do. We just haven't sat, sit, like sat down and had a really strong plan for marketing. Mm-hmm. And I think, um, I don't know, it would be interesting to see what would happen if we did. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I know it's hard. I mean, we we think about marketing when we have a few seconds or minutes to like rub yeah. together. Client work keeps you so busy. And uh, yeah, it's hard. I you know, we're working on um, some updates to our website and it was like, we had like a two day window for our developer to work on it and he didn't right. get it done. So now it's like, well, who knows when the next two day window for him to work on our website is. Yeah, so. yeah. we actually did just uh, relaunch our website and that was this. pretty big for us. And when we did relaunch the website is when we started speaking about the, the clients that we work with most Mm -hmm. and so I think that was a pretty big pivot for us and um, that's basically a marketing decision yeah of course yeah Uh, your website's beautiful it's why thank you you're welcome I didn't even I didn't (laughs) set you up for that or no No, but I did want to talk about your website because um, it looks like a lot of work went into it and you guys have Mm. really awesome videos one of the things it's Mm needmoredesigns.com right Um, I love the, the little contact you animation where the two hands on the notebooks, I forget what they, Mm -hmm. what it says, (laughs) (laughs) but it's just a really nice touch that, Mm -hmm. um, lots of little subtle sort of quick videos and, and it feels very, um, kind of warm and, uh, it also has some features, some really great work. So yeah, I think that, uh, go on, (laughs) go on. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, that was. Something that we talked about a lot was that, you know, it's the studio, it, it's a great place to visit and it's a great place to be every day, but it's sometimes it's difficult to show something like that on a website. And we had a few people come in and they looked around and they were basically like, you guys need to get this on your website. <laughs> this is not what I expected at all. And so we, that was kind of a spark for us. Like, okay, how can we start to get some of the look and feel of our everyday and, and really show people that there's real people doing this work um, 
and that was a really fun thing to start doing, you know, start videoing little pieces of the the studio and some of the things that we do. It took us a long time to get our website off the ground. And, you know, we're in that same boat where if you look at our designs for the site, there's a lot more that will be there. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we kind of ran out of time for that. And so we put up, we, we pulled a lot off of it right before we launched because we had this idea that like if we hadn't perfected that feature, it didn't get to go onto the site. There was no feature that got to be up that wasn't right. Mm-hmm. And so a ton of features just got pulled at the last minute. But I, I think it was the right decision because, you know, nobody's ending up at a page where something doesn't quite work or, you know, that that's not a good sign for web designers. Right. <laughs> no, totally. <laughs> you have pages that don't work. So um, we're looking forward to having some space to fix to add some things and that'll be really, yeah. really exciting. But, I mean, it's really, we've gone through a couple different website designs and it is really, you can tell how it affects your business. You know, mm-hmm. like for a creative agency, it's so important. Your web, your website is so important. And when you do make improvements, like you can tell, you can be like, I think we we're getting more bid requests per week or whatever, you know, since we and launched you know, the new website. clients actually look at the website. I don't know why that surprises me, but they do. Like we were, when we put up the new site, we had a, so we've, we've been traditionally known as a web design studio for about 10 years. We wouldn't do anything but web design. And so we've started working on identity and branding and packaging, mostly in the coffee industry. Mm-hmm. And so we were just killing ourselves about how to talk about that on our website because it was like, you know, digital design for coffee. Then we were like, okay, okay, we're going to, we're going to add and analog, you know, because that'll say like the physical things too. So we were like digital and analog design for coffee, wine and lifestyle mm-hmm. brands. And we were out to dinner with some clients and they're like, we saw you changed your tagline today. And we're like, yeah. And they're like, why did you put digital and analog design? It's like, why? And they're like, because at this point it's just design, right? And I was like, oh my God, you're right. <laughs> you're like overthinking it so much. And they're like, how about design for? <laughs> you don't even have to. It's like, I'll, I'll change that tomorrow. Oh my gosh, that's yeah, hilarious. So good. You're so right. <laughs> that basically encompasses all design. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> What are, what are your goals for Need More right now? What um, You sort of said you were sort of in- expanding into packaging and um, and marketing. What yeah. what would you like Need More to be in a few years or five years? Or I think in five years, I would like if, uh, if someone were to say, like, I am working in coffee. Who's the best studio to work with? I would just want Need More to be like what someone would say, mm-hmm. like, Need More. And part of that is understanding more than the website. It's understanding the the whole industry and it's helping support with, you know, illustration and packaging and all of that. Um, That's really our goal. And so we've been just learning a lot, which is kind of why we started that, um, why we're starting that podcast is because we've been ordering coffee like mad, just like looking at all packaging, look at all, looking at all branding, trying the coffee, uh, you know, doing a French press, making a shot, testing it, and kind of really trying to d- develop the palette of everyone in the studio and really kind of elevating everybody's understanding. So I think that's sort of the goal right now. Tell, tell the story. How did, how did you become so coffee focused? That's interesting. Um, well, one of our founders, so Ray and I founded the company together and he, um, 
he owned coffee shops, a couple coffee shops in Minneapolis. Mm -hmm. uh, and then he moved out to Portland and he worked with Stumptown. And he did a lot of their, you know, he was a barista and he was getting really into design and made their website and logo and all of that. And then um, I was studying anthropology and linguistics. And so I was getting really interested in storytelling mm -hmm. and teaching. And when the two of us met, I could not believe that there was this world where you could make something and everyone could look at it. I mean, I was like, I was basically looking at being a teacher where you do a lesson plan and then you share it and then it felt like it was gone. I was like, I could spend that much time and people could look at it forever. It was amazing. <laughs> so when we first started working together, we were working with just basically our friends and our friends were working in coffee houses. They were either opening or working in restaurants. They were musicians. And so that that was kind of our focus for a long time. And um, we would make lists of the projects that we felt the, the best about, that made us the happiest. And, you know, we've done a bunch of things to try to focus in on our specialization. Mm -hmm. And time and time again, like we would make lists of our favorite projects and like, what do they have in common? coffee and wine and you know some similar industries and part of it for me personally is the people and so um like if you think about coffee and wine they're agricultural products and so you know the people that work in those industries they're pretty down to earth they tend to travel they uh tend to enjoy themselves and enjoy life and they also tend to kind of understand that things take time and that relationships are important those are a lot of values that I hold dear. And so I just find that I enjoy working with people in those industries. And then, you know, Ray has such a background in coffee that he really understands the industry from a lot of different perspectives. After all this time, I think a lot of us do, and we enjoy it. Do you ever f find that the that coffee companies are wary because you work with so many other coffee companies? Does it, they're like, oh, well, if they did Stumptown, we don't want to be, we don't want to look like Stumptown, or they did so-and-so, we don't want to look like them, or? That's something that I probably wouldn't probably percolate up to me because they're not going to get a hold of me, right? If right. they don't want to work with us. What um, happens sometimes is that someone will come to us because they want to look exactly like one of our clients. Mm -hmm. And so the conversation kind of needs to be, that our process is all about finding out what makes you unique and telling your particular story. And when we go through our process, we're not going to end up with the site that we made for anybody else because we took them through that process and that site is very unique to them and we can't just take that and apply it to you. Um, it's actually been a, a long time since I've been asked to do that, but for a while it was coming up a lot. and. Mm -hmm. We, we tried to fix that by writing more about uh, storytelling on our site, making it really clear that there's a process that kind of gets us, gets us where we are. But the other thing is that when you think about wine, um, they all tend to use a few different shopping carts because selling alcohol is, that's really hard to build a custom cart that knows like all of the rules and keeps up on all of those. And so... There's a handful of carts out there, and so most vineyards are used to the idea that the person handling their online presence is going to work with a lot of vineyards. And so they seem kind of excited to work with someone that understands that, but still isn't one of those uh -huh. carts. So, you know, we end up like integrating with them. And, and I think with coffee, they... 
they work with people like La Marzocco, who's a client of ours, and they've been a really good example to me of someone that works with a, a, like all the coffee roasters. They're big fans of coffee. They make something that that coffee houses use and coffee roasters use and, you know, some people have in their homes. And yet they're, they're basically are fans of coffee and they're making it possible for a bunch of people to make beautiful espresso. And so we've kind of thought about how we could be the design equivalent. Hopefully we're crushing it. I don't know. We'll yeah. see. <laughs> yeah. No, I think that's really smart. I We sort of struggle with what our specialty is because, you know, we, we've taken on three, three or four employees this year yeah. and we're sort of just taking everything that we can <laughs> yeah. as far as business goes, because we want to make sure we can pay the rent. But we we have noticed trends in the sort of work we do. We do have a lot of agricultural clients, but we've also, for some reason this year, gotten a whole bunch, we've had a lot of interest from lawyers mm-hmm. <laughs> Not, and uh, and some real estate companies. So you definitely do start learning things about those industries and that does make it easier to sell your services. If you can say, oh yeah, we did so-and-so's website yeah. or whatever. And they're like, oh yeah. Well, and you can also bring more value to the project. So if you have say a a specific amount of time that you can spend on a project if you can hit the ground running kind of knowing the industry and knowing where this client might find themselves in the industry and knowing what sort of functionality they're going to need or you know that kind of thing then you've already got that and so you can really spend your discovery time focusing in and getting really deep into the details and Mm. that's where the real gems come from and I think we like really being able to jump in at that point I mean the other thing is specializing doesn't mean that you can't work with somebody else so if someone comes to us and says I'm not coffee or wine but I think we'd be a good match because x I mean oftentimes those are some those are fantastic projects you know because maybe they're looking for a a unique state of mind you know like I I was talking to someone today that that is not in coffee or wine. They were kind of telling me why they think of their industry as is similar to coffee houses and how there's a lot of parallels and correlations. And they started visiting coffee houses and looking at coffee websites, and that's how they found us. And just the the depth of thought that they had about that, I, mean, I was intrigued. It's like, yes, we want the, we want to do this. <laughs> it's amazing. That's cool. Yeah. So I think a lot of times people are afraid that specialization will keep them from being able to do projects that they're excited about that aren't in that kind of core area. But I think what it really does is it means a large percentage of your clients end up being in a core area. But then if uh, another project just seems like a really good fit and you're really excited about it, then you make it happen. Like we're um, just starting to do work for the Children's Cancer Association. They're not coffee. They're not wine. They might fit into like lifestyle the people are fantastic. They have this incredible mission and they're just doing so many, so many things that are interesting to us that it was like, we're just really excited to be on board there. You know, I would have never said like, oh, I'm sorry. You don't have right. you're, you're not a coffee or wine brand. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I think we're just defining what we think we have the most uh, experience in and can bring the most value to. But this is just our philosophy. But we want we want to pick one sentence that's like who's the best at x mm-hmm. and then we want to be the answer to that 
Because if you're not the answer to that, then you're just in this pool of everybody, you know? And then it's really hard to figure out like what makes me more valuable than the next studio Mm -hmm. if we're all just kind of in this random pool of like, do you know anyone that makes websites or do you know anyone that does branding? But there's nothing like particular about that. But, you know, if someone's like, well, like you guys have a bunch of posters up. So it's like, do you know any, do you know anyone that does like awesome illustrations for, you know, posters? It's like, yeah, this guy's at Murmur. They kick ass at that. <laughs> you know, like being the person that someone just thinks about immediately. Yeah. What about process? How defined is your, your, um, your web design process? Do you guys start with like a discovery phase or how, how does it usually work? Yeah, so we change it up a little bit per project but um i'd say that our design phases are pretty traditional of you know like a discovery phase and a a phase where we're thinking about structure wireframing and site mapping and and a design phase and a production phase but we're kind of constantly figuring out how to meld them a little bit more Mm -hmm. instead of we don't really go like from one discrete phase to the next we we tend to have everybody in the kickoff meeting, including our developers, and we try to keep everyone involved throughout the process. Mm-hmm. Um, and from what I've heard, our discovery process is a lot more similar to the process you would go through for an identity than a website, which is one of the reasons we started going into identity design, is that we were doing these really deep processes where even if someone came with a logo a lot of times you'll get a logo and it's like well what does this mean what's your story like yes you have a logo and that's your name but what else is there and so we would dive into this process of trying to really figure out like what makes you unique and we would spend a lot of time with that and then at the end we would produce a website and what we were finding was that uh clients would sometimes think maybe that should be applied to some of my other things, like these things that we came out with. Or um, we would just realize we did so much work that with just a little bit more time, we could probably like do all of these other pieces. Yeah, I mean, I think we, in general, some of the things I think the developers are moving to is we're always thinking about how in the process to make responsive design Mm -hmm. more clear. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you guys come up against this, but... Like doing wireframes and then mockups and then creating a responsive website where the website is the first thing anyone sees moving is uh, even if you show like, you know, here's the wireframes on a phone and here's the wireframe on a desktop and there's still like it's hard to get across that idea that as you're moving uh, a browser, things are kind of changing shape and and moving around. And so we've been thinking about how to get our wireframes, say, in in the browser. Oh, interesting. um, That's kind of our... So when I say, like, we're always changing our process, we we tend to have a, I guess, like a post-mortem after every project, like what worked, what didn't, what could we change. And what we've really been talking about a lot right now is how to get those ideas of the responsive nature of websites into the wireframes. And so Mm -hmm. I think that's something that we're moving toward yeah it's so amazing i mean you end up with a great product but there's there's so many things that can be improved in our processes and we're constantly updating but it almost feels like just sort of an just a sort of forever process is always mm-hmm. sort of tweaking and improving things and finding out where you could have done things better and that's great though like if you stop doing that then you're 
you know, what's the point of being in business anymore? Yeah. Really? It's like, <laughs> I was at a conference a few weeks ago. And the one thing that I wrote down that more than one person said is the fact that we've always done something this way is the worst reason to do it right. that way. Yeah. And it's that idea that you should continually be looking at the best way. And so we have this process, but every time we start a new project, there's this sense of like, does this process work for this project? And if not, what could we change to make it work better? Mm. And so to me, that's sort of part of the fun of oh, taking yeah. on new yeah, projects. Yeah, it is exciting. And... It is exciting. I mean, that's one of my favorite things about about working here at Murmur is being able to, you know, help sort of improve the process and be a part of the growth yeah. and, yeah, and just make things better and better. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So do you have do you have a project manager or do you guys just sort of tackle that? That is me. That's you. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So we right now we basically have creative director who's Ray and uh, I think my title is more producer, but it's really like we think about it as the director and the producer and under the producer umbrella is project management. Um, I also write a lot of our proposals and talk to potential clients. And so, you know, I have a really I'm really invested by the time a project starts mm-hmm. in making sure that that client's voice is heard. And so that tends to work out really well. I've been, I've actually, so I went to a conference on project management recently and it was fantastic, but it, it made me question whether an owner could be a good project manager from the perspective of the people at the studio. So like, I think the client is getting a good um, experience because I've talked to them, I've written the proposal, I understand the project and I'm seeing it through. But one of the things that a project manager really needs to do is be able to support the team that's that's actually running the project, or doing the work. And they need to be able to say, like, I'm not getting what I need from you. You need right. to you need to get me this. You know, there has to be that sense. And so I've really been working on making sure the team knows that when I'm in kind of like the project manager mode, it's okay. They're not going to get like in trouble if they say, you know, you didn't get me what I needed. And this is, this is actually making me behind on this project. And so that's where, that's the one point where I kind of go back and forth about, you know, whether that's sustainable if we were to grow. Um, I think with the team now, we've had enough conversations about it that uh, they really feel comfortable like letting me know, like these things are kind of stopping me from being successful. But um, I have considered kind of bringing someone else on sometimes to help with some of that. But then, you know, certain things are just really hard to let go of because yeah. I, I like talking to our clients and I like uh, I like seeing the projects through to completion. There's this, there's this sense of uh, kind of ownership, but also just that excitement when you see something you've been working on out in the world and yeah it's funny for us because we i think that kylie our project manager has been with us for about a year but we hired her to help with social media and we were all sort of everyone was project managing it was just like whoever you know how was doing the most work on a project was the project manager we went in and we, we divided up all the clients in each of us got like five or ten clients and what we realized is everybody sucked at it except for Kylie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And we're like, you're project manager. Yeah. And uh, and she's been doing an awesome job. But yeah, it was really funny because we were all just sort of like, oh, we're not good at this. <laughs> yeah, you definitely, 
I mean, it's it's kind of the, the dual personality of you need to enjoy talking to people and mm-hmm. listening to them. And uh, you also need to get joy out of putting pieces together and um, kind of that fine detail, like Gantt charts. <laughs> you have to find it sort of fun when those work out. And I, I do think that not everybody has those two personality quirks together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How do you do QA once you've finished a website? Do you have a process for that? Or we've sort of been working on our QA process recently. Yeah. So our the first people that, that go through and test the website are the designers. Mm-hmm. And so I think that that's always a really nice full circle. So they'll notice when something doesn't look like exactly what they designed. And also um, our, our designers do a lot of our site mapping and wireframing and they just know the project so well that uh, I think that they're a good first tester. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't know the exactly how they do this. I'm going to tell you that. Like I get the, the, um, the screenshots and the notes and all right. of that, but I'm not sure what technologies they're using. I know they're like sometimes using phones, but I think that there's also something that we subscribe to that they, you know, log in and use. But uh, they're kind of a good first QA. Yeah, we actually do something similar where we have um, TJ, our web designer, go through the whole site once it's built. And then we have sort of more the developer QA where sometimes actually we just get everybody involved and we're like, what kind of phone do you have? What kind of laptop yeah. do you have? And just get everybody to try to break the site and make sure that it, it's uh, working relatively well. Yeah, no, that's <laughs> great. I mean, it's uh, it's good to have everyone in the studio kind of looking at it and I used to be the first person that would do the QA. And what I found was that I missed the design details because I didn't know the fonts as well as our designers or, you know, that this was supposed to be 10 pixels, not 12. Or, you know, right. there was there was this level of design detail that I would miss. Like I would get like this form doesn't work or I can't check out. But um, yeah, it's been really amazing to have the designers and developers working together and then kind of presenting the site when it's complete nice we've been doing this thing where we um every few weeks switch desks oh really (laughs) yeah um so that uh there's so you don't get into this kind of rut of it's basically the way that the way that we said it's usually like a designer and developer kind of sit next to each other but they're not necessarily working on a project together we realized that every once in a while having the designer sit next to each other and then like a different developer sit next to them then we just get used to helping each other out in a different way than if you have like your buddy who's always next to you. And <laughs> you know, I think it's been really helpful. Um, our desks are all really similar. And so well, that's not true. We have a couple of stand-up desks now. So part of the idea of switching is giving everyone the chance to test out those desks and see what they think. What about um, pricing? Um, what, do you, what do you guys normally charge for a website or what's your price range? That's such a hard question to ask and I, I or to answer. Um, it it depends a lot on what we're doing. So uh, I usually tell people that our non-e-commerce sites probably s- start at like twenty thousand. E-commerce is thirty and above. But mm-hmm. then, you know, when you there are projects that are in the you know eighty range because we're doing some other things or. Um, it just really depends. We don't have like package pricing, mm-hmm. but we what we do tend to do is um, when we talk to somebody, 
get a sense of, of the project that they have in mind or the project that they can foresee that they need. And we write a proposal for that. And then we oftentimes sit back and think, what do, like, if, if we didn't know this and we just knew that they were starting this business and they just told us about that, not, not the project that was in their mind, what would we suggest? And we write a proposal for that. And then if we, we usually end up adding something, you know, like if we know that, if we know their budget and we know that neither, neither of those things are in the budget, we'll, we'll say like, okay, if we knew that this was our fixed budget, what's the, the best value we can bring to this project? And so we'll put together that proposal and we'll usually send a proposal with those three tiers and just kind of explain like, this is the one you know, how we got to each of them. Okay, interesting. And uh, sometimes we'll find that, um, I think the fear when we were doing that was that people would always pick the the lowest price project, right? right? Like, right. oh, you can do something for that? Great. But actually quite the opposite has happened. We find that every once in a while, someone will look at that more robust project and think, I didn't even realize I needed all of that. But yeah, that's, that's right. That's going to have to come at some point. Let's, let's just go ahead and do it. And so that's been really interesting process. That's kind of new for us this year. Mm-hmm. And the the tiers for those three can be pretty different. Mm-hmm. You know, like there can be a proposal that has something that's like 15, something that's 35, and something that's 80. I mean, literally, they can be just like vastly different because they are so different in scope. And I think it also shows clients where what's driving price Mm -hmm. and so if i know that somebody's budget is in one place and the project they're talking about is somewhere else but you know it's like one of the things they're talking about just isn't actually probably going to help them that much in especially like in the first year Mm -hmm. like wow this is a really cool thing but i don't see it actually helping your business you know we'll like pull that out and say like wow you could have a project we could do this in your budget and do this other thing next year and you know and then next year, maybe we do that extra project. That's cool. Yeah, we usually, we have, we always do a lot of line items. So we give them sort of the opportunity to like not get stuff if they want a cheaper price. Yeah. Um, and uh, we try to sort of we try to get as many things from the client, all the different possibilities of things that they may want. And then we just sort of give them a big menu. I don't know if that's the best <laughs> way to do it, but. Um, you know, you tend to learn what works best for the people that you work with Mm -hmm. you know like i i think that a lot of our clients probably well i don't know are are probably uh have the personality of like just just give it to me straight like what's the number yeah (laughs) like you know so the three tiers is like okay you get the good the better the best okay i want the better let's go you know I, i feel like that's sort of the um you know and the other thing is uh I'm pretty comfortable talking about um, value and cost to clients. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if there is a sense of like, where did this number come from? We're really open about talking about it. There isn't like a sense that they can't look under the hood or figure out, you know, like what's driving it. Um, oftentimes when I'm making those, the numbers might seem kind of random, but I've made like a pretty specialized chart for myself uh-huh. of like, what this feature is kind of adding and how I got there. And so if somebody if somebody wanted to see kind of the breakdown, then that's available. I think maybe once I've shown someone that chart. Like if you really want to see the where it came from. Do yeah. you do you sort of like hours work to sort of a basis for building a project? Yeah. Um 
we generally base it on the amount of time we think a project will take, but um, we give flat flat bids for projects. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what we're really giving the scope to is how many rounds, you know, like in a logo, like we're going to show this many revisions and this many ideas. And mm-hmm. um, we tend to spend a lot of our time in that discovery period going through like mood boards and uh, really trying to define aesthetic so that when we do move into a design phase what we're showing isn't a surprise it's not sort of like oh you spent round one showing me things that I don't know where those came from you know (laughs) it's like they should be a really natural progression from all the conversations that we've had do you charge separately for your discovery process we don't no we just kind of wrap that into now if somebody came to me and said I have all of this material for you we would still go through a, a bit of a discovery process because part of that is making sure that we're up to speed, you know, so that we really understand. That's a good, a good idea, though. Like what? Like charge separately so they can take it to some like, like you can take this research and you can work with us or you can work with somebody else, but at least you have it. I, you know, the discovery process has really fascinated me. Um, when I was working at my last job, design company here in town charged my company $30,000 for a discovery process um, before they even started the web design. And I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> was it, I mean, did you come out with, was it valuable? It was. Yeah, Yeah. it was very valuable. And mostly, I think it was just getting stakeholders on board. Like we had some cantankerous like executives that were, I mean, the whole, I think so much of the discovery process was just getting the stakeholders on board and making them feel that they were getting something that was worth, you know, what they were paying for it. And, you know, Mm -hmm. but yeah, you know, sometimes we'll, we'll pay, we'll charge, um, separately for a discovery process, but usually, you know, like maybe just a couple thousand dollars and we'll actually go out and, you know, do some interviews and send out questionnaires. And sometimes we'll do like a report at the end of everything that we've done. And, um, but a lot of times that does end up just being included because they don't have the budget to, to do a separate discovery process. Yeah. I mean, we, Definitely consider that part of the web design process and that um, we try to leave room for the fact that some things might come out of that process that are some ideas, you know, so we're not we're not always defining when we're starting here are your five pages, (laughs) you know, that there's an idea that we're going to wouldn't it be great if we came up with something amazing during that process. That's like the right thing. That's cool. So I asked you for three takeaways, things Mm -hmm. that you might give to another creative agency or advice, things that you've learned along the way. What are those uh, three tips? Well, I think the first one was the kind of the specialization that we talked about. Mm -hmm. That was actually the first blog post we wrote in 2005 was on the value of specialization. Oh, wow. So it's something that we've been thinking about for a long time. And there are a lot of books on special marketing that really talk about finding your specialization. So I would say the first one is to really focus on finding out what is unique about you as a studio mm-hmm. and telling people about it. And that's, you know, basically specialization. And the other one is to be honest with your clients. So it is so much easier to say yes to everything than to stop in the middle of a project and say something went awry or 
we just realize this isn't the right way to do this and we're partly through and we want to step back and talk about it. You know, there's always these moments in life where your gut tells you, I should speak up. I should, you know, I should say, I think this is going to push the budget or I think this is the timeline. It's not happening. And uh, just being honest and when you know those moments are happening kind of speak up immediately um there it's kind of hard to do it's easier to just like let them go until the end and then like oh it's it's late yeah (laughs) i know um, know. so that's something and then the other thing uh we really try to think about saying no nicely so if someone um comes to us and and talks about a project and we realize that we're not a good match like let's say we don't know how to do the thing they're asking for i had someone recently get a hold of us and um none of us knew how to do that thing (laughs) it's like it would have and so you know the honest answer is like no we don't know how to do that and our goal is always to say no nicely which means like giving them a path and so you know i did a little bit of research about where the best place to find a developer that can do that and sent those recommendations on or even better is if I can find someone that I know that I can connect them with. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, that, that means that people in your community are doing well because you've recommended them. And so we really try to um, always find a home for clients, even if we're not the answer. Um, And so I think that's kind of saying no kindly instead of ignoring them or, just saying no. Yeah. uh, Yeah. Always. It's like once they've come through the door, whether they're clients of ours or not, they, they matter enough that we bring them somewhere, you know, Mm -hmm. so, and that's good for business too. Actually, we found that we've been recommended by people that we've said no to like, Hey, you know, because I always say like, this is what we do. Well, we're not a good match because of this. Here's someone that would be. And then when they meet someone who does, you know, who's looking for what I just said, we're good at, yeah. they'll recommend you. And so it's, you know, it's a good, it's good all around. So. That's great. Great advice. Yeah. Thank I you. Think those are, those are my three. Awesome. Well, thanks for joining me. Super excited to see this podcast come out. Oh yeah, it will yeah. come out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>